Please stand. Psalm 117 is the shortest in the Psalter. It's just two verses, but I think they will serve us well this morning. Let me read them to you. Praise the Lord, all you nations. Extol him, all you peoples. For great is his love toward us, and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. And we're going to do that now as we sing our first hymn, Lord, your almighty word. Please be seated. What a glorious morning to meet together to praise the Lord. I'm Martin Sumter and I'm a member of this congregation and may I welcome you. To those who are in the building with us, to those of you who are on live stream, and I know there's a number of you as well, and a particular welcome to those who are visiting us. 
I've already had the pleasure of meeting um, and sharing a little bit with two people that I did not know who are with us. That's great. And what we'd like to do is invite everyone across to morning tea and coffee in the function room. Out this door, left, right, right again, miss the playground, there's the function room. And a special welcome to someone who does not need those directions because she, Naomi, knows them very well. Special welcome, Naomi Ireland. Thank you for coming to share with us. And we look forward to hearing from you something of your ministry for God in the Northern Territory in our mission profile later on. We'll be hearing God speak to us from his word as we continue our series through Mark's account of Jesus, the gospel. And our message focus this morning will be on divorce with a small amount of material on the nature of biblical marriage in order to help us understand what Jesus and the scriptures say on divorce. In order to prepare us for this time together, we're gonna to say a prayer of preparation together. And there we are. It's a time to just put Perhaps the busyness or even the loneliness of last week aside. To put aside those things we're already thinking about for this week. And to focus on our Heavenly Father. So let's say this together. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden, Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Christ our Lord. Amen. And we now come to a time of confession. As we come to this point, we have the assurance which John in his first letter expresses. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the Righteous One. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. So with that assurance, let's pray this prayer together of confession, together. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we have gone our own way, not loving you as we ought, nor loving our neighbour as ourselves. We have sinned against you in thought, word and deed, and in what we have failed to do. We deserve your condemnation. Father, forgive us. Help us to love you and our neighbour, and to live for your honour and glory, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. It is always good to read God's word and to read it together this morning, we're going to read together some excerpts from Psalm 145. There we are. Let's say these together. I will exalt you, my Lord the King, 
I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. The Lord is faithful to all his promises and loving toward all he has made. The Lord upholds all those who fall and lifts up all those who are bowed down. And loving toward all he has made. My mouth will speak in praise of the Lord. Let every creature praise his holy name forever and ever. Amen. Rhonda will now come and lead us in prayer. Heavenly Father, wonderful counsellor, Prince of Peace, as we turn our hearts to you, turn your ear to us in mercy. Father, we pray now for the, open, for the warfare in Middle East and Ukraine that's happening at the moment. We pray for healing for those who live through this violence and for peace to come quickly. We pray for those who are seeking to care for the hurt that you'll keep them safe. In the wake of Remembrance Day yesterday, we thank you for those who have served in the defence of our country. We pray for those left behind and others who continue to struggle with the ugly aftermath of war. Be their strength and salvation. We long for the day when every people, language, race and nation will be brought into the unity of Christ's kingdom. While we wait in hope for that day, we pray for peace. Father, it grieves us to hear stories this week again of violence towards women and children in our city and in Australia. We cry out for you to all the victims of this horrible violence. We pray for help to come quickly to those trapped in destructive and manipulative relationships and for all women and children living in unsafe homes. Please hear our prayers for the vulnerable and the hurting that they would find safety and refuge. We ask this prayer in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you for the marriage this week of Ben and Kirsty Warburton. Kirsty Buckley she was. Would you please bless their marriage so that their love may evermore grow and be a true reflection of your love. And Lord God, we thank you for the joyful expression of our partnership in the gospel at the celebration dinner this week. Thank you for the good food and the good, rich conversations we were able to enjoy. Thank you for stories we heard of your grace shown to Adam and Kieran, Kirsten and her family, guests of the soup kitchen and a wonderful group of school believers. We know there are many more stories that could have been told. May you be pleased to use us, our words and our actions here in this church for your glory. 
Mighty God, we do praise you and thank you that you are mighty and you hear our prayers and you answer them according to your power, according to your wisdom and according to your mercy. Amen. that you need us to know if you want us to reach out to you we'll be in touch with you this week um, that's the best way to communicate anything to the church office really so do use those connect cards next thing that I've really got to mention is that the dads and kids camp is coming up on the 24th of November now do you know who loves the camp more than the dads and the kids the mums listen if you're hesitating or on the fence about this Please, please, please speak to someone who has been. So if that's you, if you, if you have been to the Dads and Kids Camp, will you do me a favour and just put your hand up quickly in the service like this? Okay, have a look around. So if you're the one that's on the fence, go and chat to that person so they can give you some more details um, and maybe convince you to take the plunge this year. It's at Narrabeen, which makes it so easy. It's for two nights and it's for dads and kids of all ages. My husband and kids have gone for the past nine years. I think my youngest went on her first camp at 15 months old, and they would not miss it for the world. It's an incredible time away. It runs like a really well-oiled machine, and it's super fun. And you usually don't have to have to pack that much. I mean, my kids usually come home in the same clothes they left in. If you want any more info, please go to our website or look at Bruce's weekly email. Now, our services on a Sunday don't happen without the help of many, many hands. Praying, reading, welcoming, preparing food, music, tech. Each service relies heavily on the dedicated service of this body of believers. And it's a beautiful thing. Now, if you're in the habit of helping out in one of these vital ministries I just mentioned, firstly, you'd obviously know what a joy it is. But next, we just want to thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Now, one area of service that we're keen to promote today, and as this year comes to a close, is the operation of our sound desk. You glance to the back of the church, you'll see that there's people sitting on the sound desk. Now, obviously, without someone up the back pulling the levers, you won't be able to hear anything that's happening from up the front, which would be a really very sad thing. Over the next two months, we'll be running training sessions for anyone at any of our services who is interested in lending a hand. No experience is necessary. We're particularly looking to fill out the team that looks after sound for our morning services. But this doesn't mean that you have to be a regular at the morning services to sign up. Also, the more people we have on board, the less frequently you'll be rostered on. And honestly, what a great skill to have to be able to run a sound desk. So if you've got a Thursday night free in the next month or so, now's the time for you to jump in. If this sounds interesting to you at all, will you please contact also via the Connect card? And we'll be happy to talk you through it before you make a decision. I think that's it from me. God bless you. Enjoy the service.
Everyone, nice, nice to see you all in church this morning. Cezanne, isn't she great? She really is. She's so good. I, uh, many of you will know this already, uh, but November is Mission Month here at St Matthews. One of the things I was very excited to see when I first joined the church in the staff office was to see these beautiful pictures of people up on the wall, different people who we support in mission uh, across Australia and all over the place. And I was thrilled uh, that we are a church who supports people who are on the coalface of mission. And we love supporting people who are on mission and we're seeking to raise $150,000. We're prayerfully seeking that under God and his generosity. And so today we thought it would be lovely to raise the profile of some of our Michos. It's short missionaries, Michos. And today we have with us somebody who has been with us before and as I came over the top of the hill at Fairlight this morning I thought what a glorious day that the Lord has made and then I could see the ocean and I thought what a glorious place that the Lord has made why would you want to leave (laughs) and yet some people do and they leave for very good reasons Naomi Island please give us some love (laughs) hello everyone loud as usual (laughs) good to be here thank you so much for being with us Naomi it's Great to be here. So exciting. Now, this stage is, this is not a foreign place for you. Uh, no. So for many people will know you, but there'll be some here who don't. So yep. tell us your history of your time at St. Matthew's. Yeah, I arrived at St. Matt's in 2014 and started as the Families and Children's Minister here. I was here for seven years, um, looking after our kids and training some of our teenagers to teach in kids ministry and doing a whole bunch of extra things around the place. Um, yeah, so I was here for seven whole years, which doesn't feel like very long. That was nearly, it was three years ago now that I left, wow. which also feels like it's gone like a blink of an eye. Yeah, it has. And I, I thought I must ask you, because I, I mean, I went to the inner west, so I did go to the other side of the bridge so I know, I know all about Levy Manly. Yeah, now, it's tough, tough life, isn't it? I needed my passport checked when I came in <laughs> off the ferry when I got here. But anyway. Is there anything you miss about Manly? Before we get to where you are and yeah. what you're doing, is there anything you miss about? Well, the, I mean, the biggest thing is the people. When you do life in church family together for seven years, then, you know, I, I was so excited when I was... I flew in from Alice Springs from all the bushfires, so sound a bit husky from bushfires in Alice Springs but when we came when I was flying in um Tracy Scott one of my friends was picking me up from the ferry and I just almost felt like crying just thinking about coming back and seeing people who I love dearly and so yeah that's I miss the people that is I mean that's special I actually thought you were going to say you miss Fika that was your favorite cafe I do I do miss Fika but I miss the people I hung out with at Fika probably but I do also Fika was great is great you should go yeah oh good well (laughs) Uh, so why don't you share with us, where are you now and what is it that you're doing? And I believe you've got some slides yeah. that you're going to walk yeah. us through. So I um, work in the Northern Territory. This is the Northern Territory Anglican Diocese. You'll see um, that we go down to Alice Springs and then we head right out into the Gulf of Carpentaria um, to Groot Island. Um, so we have about 14 churches around the Territory, Catherine, uh, a bunch in Darwin and then a bunch in Arnhem Land along the Roper Highway. Um, so we, t- we cover quite a vast area um, in terms of 
travel and, and the amount that I'm moving around the territory. So my role um, in the Anglican Diocese is the Diocesan Children's Ministry Officer. So I, my role is to support all those churches as they teach the Bible to kids. So it's a bit of a different role. One of the other things I miss about Manly is, is the kids. Like I'm not in a regular church role where I see kids all the time. Um, which is which is sad as well, um, but I get to support all of our Anglican churches as they teach the Bible to kids. So I do an awful lot of travel. Um, at the beginning of last year, this is a little church on um, on Groot Island in a community called Ngurugu, and this is where I lived for about two and a half months at the beginning of last year. This is kind of characteristic of the churches in our um, Aboriginal communities in Arnhem Land. Um, so actually one that has more walls than others. Um, but um, yeah, this is the one that I, I would fellowshiped at for two and a half months while I lived in Ngurugu. Some of the things we've been doing, this is um, our cl clergy. Um, it's great to have Pete Taylor is here with us this morning. Um, he is our um, RAF chaplain in Kathleen, Catherine um, and was at this clericon. We had, this is where all of our clergy from the Anglican diocese gathered together um, just to encourage each other and to build... It's, Quite a vast place, but in really in number, we're, we're not massive. And all the clergy brought their families, so it was a really great time of encouragement together. This is our kids' ministry leaders' gathering. So we had um, about 15 adults and 14 kids come along. I think you've heard a bit about this, Pete. Um, and Jess Van Loon and Evan Thorpe came up to help us run kids' ministry. These are the, the groups that we had for our leaders. The idea is that we work talk together about how to read the Bible and, and turn that into teaching for children. I don't try and do a lot of cultural teaching, like as in I wouldn't, where here I might teach people how to do children's ministry, um, but when I'm working with our Aboriginal churches, I work to partner with them, um, help them how to think about learning the, and understanding the Bible and how they're going to communicate that, but the way they do that is in, is in partnership because culturally we're quite different. Um, I've got a few more, Pete. We also have some fun friends that we hang out with at Rila. That's little Teddy, this side, little Teddy, our, um, our rescued wallaby, and there was a snake which the kids loved. Most recently, we had two ordinations out in um, the Roper. The one on, I've got to get my, on, the, on your left, is that right? Your left, is um, Greg, our bishop, ordaining um, a, a man named James Woods in a, in a comp community called Yurupunga, um, as a deacon. And over on the right is Edwin in Numbuwa, which is right out on the coast, right near Groot Island, but still in East Arnhem Land, getting ordained as priest in charge of Numbuwa Church, which is exciting. These are some of my, we do a lot of traveling, and that was out to Numbuwa is like 12 hours, which we did in stages. And these two are two of my garangs, my mums. So Lois on the right, she adopted me. Culturally, helping Aboriginal people have a really connected family system, kinship system, and just to know how to relate to you. They want to kind of put you in a place. So Lois adopted me, and so that's her sister, Hagar, who I also call mum. Garang means mum in Gunwingu. Um, so they were some of my travel buddies, and here's a bunch of um, the women from Ngukur who travelled with me from Numbuwa back to Ngukur um, that day. There's a bunch of photos, because I figured photos are probably more helpful. So I just kind of smashed through those. That's great. <clears throat> I, mean, I mean, we were up there recently, as Naomi has said, and I shared with, I shared with you all when we came back, it, 
It was a joy to see you in your element. Yeah, we miss you around here, but we're so thankful for the way God is using you up there. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. It's, uh, it's fantastic. Yeah, I was so thrilled and very, very encouraged. And thank you for coming all the way down to share with us. A mm. uh, couple of questions. How can we be supporting you and yeah. how can we be praying for you? Yeah, great. Um, I've got just a couple of slides. BCA um, is the organisation that funds my position. And I know you know BCA, a lot of you would know BCA well. If you don't know BCA, then get to know us by looking at the Real Australian, which has stories in it. Um, and you can find out more about us on the website. Um, there's prayer notes that come out each quarter and have um, prayer points for all of our field staff around, all around Australia. So you can get your hands on a copy of those, either digitally or, um, or in hard copy. They'll send it to you. One of the ways you can support me personally is by jumping on and getting my newsletter. So you, I can't sign you up, unfortunately, personally, because BCA runs the list and I don't even know who's on it. So if you go to the website and look for my name under the field staff and sign up to my newsletter, you'll get regular um, prayer points from me every month on the 9th of um, every month. And then once a quarter, you'll get a newsletter from me that tells you a bit more about what's going on. Um, so you can pray... There's also Give, which these guys are talking about at the moment. Um, and if you ever want to come visit the Northern Territory for a short time or a long time, um, we would love to talk to you about that because there is lots of great ministry to be done in the Territory. Yeah. In terms of praying, um, it's come to the end of a busy year. Um, a lot of what happens, you guys are ramping up for Christmas, but in a diocesan office, those big events have been really the big part of our year. And so I'm praying, I'm heading back home on Tuesday and so I'm just praying for some good rest um, to kind of recuperate over December and January. They're a bit lower kind of times for me, which is great to gear up for the year ahead. Um, and also I'm, I'm finishing off a Master's of Coaching Psychology at Sydney Uni and I've been doing some research in resilience amongst remote workers. Um, and so I need to submit that. I would love prayers for that. And continue to pray for our church um, right across the territory, um, all our Anglican churches. Um, but I guess for Arnhem Land, keep praying for the raising up of leaders. Um, we've got, uh, amazingly, our leaders um, of our churches are often in their 60s or 70s. And so pray for the, the raising up of those younger leaders to be able to uh, invest in uh, the church ministry. Yeah, that would be great. Oh, fantastic. So, yeah, absolutely, you can support Gnomes in those ways and of course monetarily wanting to support all of our brothers and sisters on mission and so as I said we're seeking to raise $150,000 so if you want to prayerfully consider if you may contribute or not please do so but how about we pray for you now and thank you so much for coming right. Naomi. It's great to be here. Yeah let's, let's pray for Naomi. Uh, Heavenly Father we do thank you for our dear sister. Thank you for the wonderful work that she is doing for Jesus up in the top end. Father, we pray now as she presses toward the end of the year that when she goes home, she may get some good rest. Lord, we thank you for the wonderful time that she's had this year and for the conferences and for how successful they have been. But we pray now, Heavenly Father, that she might find some time to relax. Would you sustain her? And I pray, Heavenly Father, would you continue to move in the Northern Territory to raise up new leaders who might share Jesus in that place? And so, Father, would you protect our dear sister, we pray, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. God bless you. Thanks, Thanks guys.
Please stand for our next hymn, Love Divine, or Love's Dis Excelling, which is our collection hymn. Good morning. As we continue our journey through the Gospel of Mark, today's reading is from Mark chapter 10, which we'll find on page 1013 of the Church Bible. I'll be reading verses 1 to 12. Mark chapter 10, commencing to read at verse 1. Jesus then left that place and went into the region of Judea and across the Jordan. Again, crowds of people came to him, and as it was his custom, 
he taught them. Some of the Pharisees came and tested him by asking, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? What did Moses command you? he replied. They said, Moses permitted a man to write a certificate of divorce and send her away. It was because your hearts were hard that Moses wrote you this law, Jesus replied. But at the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be reunited to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. When they were in the house again, the disciples asked Jesus about this. He answered, anyone who divorces his wife and marries another woman commits adultery against her. And if she divorces her husband and marries another man, she commits adultery. May the Lord bless to us the reading from his word this morning. Good morning, everyone. It's lovely to be here today and welcome again to Naomi. Great to have you here with us. Uh, Let me pray as we begin to look at this very delicate topic of marriage and divorce. Father, we do pray for your wisdom today. I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts would be pleasing, wise and acceptable to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, as you heard earlier in the service, today's message is about marriage and divorce. Uh, This is where we're up to in Mark's Gospel, chapter 10. That was our reading. And as I commence my message today, I am deeply conscious that this is a very sensitive issue for many people. Uh, There's a painful complexity to the issues that I'm about to speak on. From my 30 years of pastoral experience, and I just celebrated a 30-year reunion this week with my more college graduates, uh, my 30 years of experience in seeking to help people who are going through divorce, it's typically always very difficult and very emotional. It's often associated with significant feelings of loss, guilt and failure, because what we're talking about with a divorce is calling time on a broken marriage or escaping a damaging or dangerous marriage. And both are very real. I also know that before me today, there'll be many people who are either divorced, whose parents are divorced, who may have divorced and remarried, or who may have married someone who was formerly divorced the issues are very complex. And there may be people here today who are contemplating divorce. It's an issue that touches many people. And I think it's so painful and difficult because personal relationships are one of the most precious entities in life. And the marriage relationship is probably, I think, the most fundamental of relations 
in the order of creation as made by God and highly significant in God's purpose for humans. <clears throat> and a broken marriage that ends in divorce is a tragedy that can, for those going through it, feel like a death in the family. The hurt and damage done to the person's concern, their family, and especially any children that might be involved, and also to, if I can say, the wider society caused by the breakdown of marriages really is incalculable. I've been reading numbers of people on this topic in preparation for today, and one writer wrote this, we cannot think and speak about this subject unemotionally, and the emotions are all typically painful. And in Christian circles, much thought is rightly given to a biblical understanding of marriage, to the encouragement and support of strong and faithful marriages Andrew Graham has run a course that says those exact words, and it's a great thing. We want to help marriages overcome difficulties and threats, uh, but we think and talk less about the situation where a marriage fails. We all wish, and I particularly wish, that such situations did not arise, but unfortunately they do. And it's simply irresponsible to put the subject in the too hard basket, so I need to look at the issue today as we come to it in Mark's Gospel. I want to acknowledge that in what I'm about to say, that there is, uh, this is an issue that faithful, godly, Bible-believing Christians do come to different positions on. I have my own thoughts, which I'm going to share with you. I'm very cognizant of the fact that there'll be others who may differ, and you may differ with me today. And it differs about whether Christians should divorce and then remarry. And I think personally it's one of the most complex and difficult ethical issues to seek to navigate in the scriptures and particularly as it involves people's lives so deeply. And so my goal today is to try and help us to think biblically about the topic as well as being compassionate to all who listen. Because as difficult and as painful as it may be for us to talk about the subject, we need to understand what the Word of God does say on this very important issue so that we can attempt to live in ways that honour him. And I've got a number of things to go through from the passage uh, as we think about marriage and divorce. Uh, firstly, a cultural view of divorce is the first thing you notice in the passage. Secondly, a biblical view of marriage from Jesus. And thirdly, a biblical view of divorce. And we're going to think further than just what's in the passage and think about what all the scriptures have to say. But firstly, a cultural view of divorce. In the passage that we've got before us, the scene opens with the Pharisees uh, who are up to their usual hijinks, trying to trap Jesus in a discussion with tricky questions. And this one, at this point in Mark's Gospel, revolves around the legality of divorce. Let me read to you from verse 2, which gives us the context for this discussion. It's on the screen there. Some Pharisees came and tested him by asking, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? And so they're asking the question of legality around the issue of divorce. And during the first century when Jesus ministered in Israel, there were various views of when it was permissible for a man to divorce his wife. The majority view was that it was, uh, sorry, the minority view was only for adultery, but uh, the majority view that was commonly expressed uh, was that really there were many circumstances. Let me give you one. 
and this is from one of the writings of the rabbis in the day, if she does not accept your control, divorce her and send her away. Now, it's an appalling statement, let me say, but it speaks to the very lax attitudes that they had to marriage and divorce, as well as, well as other concerning issues. And so the Pharisees come to test Jesus and find out where he stood on this most important question of relational issues. Listen to how Jesus responds. Well, what did Jesus, uh, Moses command you, he said in verse 3. If you've got your Bibles, I forgot to say, you can have a look and read along with me. It's page 1013, Mark chapter 10. In verse 4, the Pharisees responded, Moses permitted a man to write a certificate of divorce and send her away. And then you get this um, rebuke, really, of the Pharisees from the Lord Jesus in verse 5. Well, it was because of your hearts were hard that Moses wrote you this law. In other words, yes, the Old Testament law allowed divorce, but it was not because this was the intention of God in designing marriage. Rather, it was a concession to limit damages and to protect women who were most vulnerable in situations like this. Because sadly, in Jesus' day, the common view of marriage was that it was, and if I use these words, uh, I don't mean to be offensive, but it was a disposable commodity. They could divorce and move on to the next one. And sadly, it's not much better today. No-fault divorce uh, was a federal law that was introduced through the family courts in 1975 by the Whitlam government. And once it was introduced, obtaining a divorce was greatly simplified as the court didn't need to now consider the reasons for the marriage ending, which previously had to be the case. And I do understand why this law was introduced and it's worth saying I do have a sympathy for the reasons why. There were horrendous circumstances when there were legitimate reasons for divorce and if I could say if a woman had a husband cheating on her he'd have to hire a, she'd have to hire a private investigator to get evidence of it. It was a terrible situation. But the unintended consequence of it was that the view of marriage that we have in our country as a permanent relationship that should be protected as much as possible has been deeply eroded. And so as it was in Jesus' day, so it is here in Australia, there's a very low bar for some for what constitutes a reason to divorce. And I've heard on numbers of occasions, this person doesn't meet my needs anymore. I wouldn't think that is a reason to divorce. So what I'm wanting to say is that the biblical view of marriage as a permanent relationship that you work on through the good times and the difficult times is a view that's been significantly eroded in our time and it was exactly the same way in Jesus' day. Which leads me to my second point, a biblical view of marriage. And I've put the whole section up here that Jesus uh, now responds with and what we have here is that after the Q&A between Jesus and the Pharisees about divorce, Jesus gives us his response by outlining his understanding of marriage and what this shows us is that unless you understand biblically what marriage is then you won't understand biblically what divorce is. So let me read those key verses. But at the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. 
For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Now, I could speak for an hour just on those three verses. There are many things that you could reflect on. I'm just going to pick out two observations that relate particularly to the issue of marriage and divorce. There's other things that are also important, but I haven't got the time to deal with them today. Let me deal with the first one. The permanence of marriage is expressed here by the Lord Jesus. After outlining that a marriage is between a man and a woman, Jesus adds the kicker, what God has joined together, let no one separate. And they are the words that are still said today in the wedding services that we conduct here. They are literally the words that were said at the end of the vows taken by Ben and Christy at this beautiful wedding that we had here yesterday. And what they're expressing is that God is saying marriage is a permanent relationship as established in creation by himself. And therefore we need to go to great lengths to seek to preserve it all people who are married should do all they can to keep marriages together. And those who help married couples and counsel married couples should likewise do all they can to keep marriages together. What God has joined together, let no one separate. That is the intention and the ideal of marriage in the garden before the entrance of sin. The second thing to observe from verses 6 to 9 and what Jesus says is the result of marriage. It produces a union of two people. It unites their hearts, their minds, their souls and their bodies physically, emotionally, relationally, spiritually. And the words of, the Je of Jesus are quite profound. So they are no longer two, but they are one flesh. And that is what is quoted from Genesis chapter 2. And that is the profound nature of marriage. It is the joining together of two people so that they literally become one. There is this relational, emotional, physical, spiritual union of two people together. And the goal of marriage is to grow into that status and that's a reality. It is the status that's conferred on the couple at their marriage day with their vows but they then are seeking to grow into through their life and becoming of one. But let me ask an important question, and you might wonder why I'm going to go here, so just bear with me. How does that unity come into being? How do the two people become one? And I want to say to us, in simple terms, through a marriage covenant that is being enacted in the wedding... Now, this is not explicit in the words of Jesus, but what we see from what he quotes in Genesis is that marriage entails a man and woman joining together. And the way we see the joining together in the Old Testament from my reading of it is that marriage is joined together by a covenant. And a covenant is, if I can say, a promise-based relationship. And a classic verse for this is in Malachi chapter 2, on the context of discussion about divorce and unfaithfulness in marriage, the prophet Malachi says these words, I've got them on the screen. You've been unfaithful to her, though she is your partner. And there's a critique here of the men of the day. Malachi is critiquing them. 
And the way he describes the marriage partner is the wife of your marriage covenant. And this principle is very important to grasp in thinking about marriage and divorce because within church history, there has been an alternate view about the nature of the marriage relationship and how we're brought together. And for want of a better word, I'm going to use a technical word here from philosophy. Um, some see it not as a marriage covenant, but as a, the, the covenant is what brings the, cu the couple together, but rather it's an ontological reality. Uh, to put it in more simple terms, it's a spiritual union not a covenant relationship. And the view that marriage is an ontological reality, and it's across different denominations, but you see it classically, if I can put it this way, I'm not trying to critique it at this point, but you see it classically in the Roman Catholic tradition. And if you go to a Catholic wedding or to, say, a Greek Orthodox or one of the Orthodox weddings, uh, it's very different in the way the service is enacted to what took place here yesterday. I'll reflect on that Secondly, but the, what happens is the priest literally does things, if I can put it in simple terms, that unites the couple together. And they come and God joins them spiritually together via the ministry of the priest. And this is why when a marriage fails, within the Catholic tradition, for it to a person to remarry, they have to have the church break that union through what's called a spiritual annulment and they would go and see what is technically termed the church lawyers who perform this spiritual, uh, if I can say, ministry. That's not my understanding of what happens in a marriage, that there is this indissolvable union spiritually by God that is bound together by him, that the priest enacts. Let me take you to what happened here yesterday. It was a beautiful day, packed house, lots of joy. The high point is when Christy and Ben stood here and they married each other. And they married each other by making promises to each other. And Nigel Fortescue, the Senior Minister of Christchurch St Ives, it was a uh, joining of churches together. Uh, he officiated. He didn't marry them. He officiated at their wedding and facilitated them being married and then prayed for God's blessing on them. But they actually married each other and they formed a marriage covenant together. That's what took place. Now, why are we talking about this when we're talking about divorce? Because if marriage is a covenant, even though God's design is that it be a permanent relationship like all covenants, they can be broken and the relationship can end. And we see this supremely in the Old Testament with Israel. She was in a covenant relationship with God that is described as being like that of a wife with a husband. And when you get to the New Testament, the church is described in marriage terms as being the bride of Christ, and that physical marriage or human marriage is to be a reflection of this greater reality and symbolic of this greater reality. And so note the language that is used by Jeremiah to describe the breakdown of the relationship between Israel and their God, who is our God. Let me read to you from Jeremiah 3.8. I gave faithless Israel her certificate of divorce and sent her away because of all her adulteries. And then later on in the prophecy, he says these words, they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them. 
And literally, the relationship died and the covenant was broken and over and a new covenant had to be enacted, which we know takes place through the Lord Jesus Christ and by his blood shed on the cross and his resurrection. And they are the words that are enacted in the Lord's Supper. A new covenant is enacted. A new relationship is formed and in this relationship, there's neither Jew nor Gentile. I'll stop my theology of uh, God's people at that point, but can you see the point? Marriages can and do break down and marriages which are covenantal can also end. Marriage is designed to be a permanent relationship, but it's a covenant relationship and sadly in life outside of the Garden of Eden, relationships including that of a marriage can and do at times fail because we are now marred by human sinfulness and weakness which sadly can lead to marriages ending in divorce which leads me to my third point a biblical view of divorce the way the passage finishes is as follows the key words are in verse 11 when they were in the house again, the disciples asked Jesus about this. He answered, anyone who divorces his wife and marries another woman commits adultery against her and if she divorces her husband and marries another man, she commits adultery. Now, it's worth saying there is no one exact technical term for divorce in both the Old Testament and New Testament, the Hebrew and the Greek. There are different words that speak of the reality of sending someone away of ending the relationship. And it's worth noting that. But let's just think about what's said here because as you listen to Jesus on a simple surface reading of his words, if this is all you've got to go on in terms of discussing marriage and divorce, it appears that divorce is out of the question. To divorce your spouse and remarry would seem to be committing adultery. Now, is this the case? The short response that I would have is that Jesus is changing the topic of discussion and he is making a comment on the disposable view of marriage in that day and he's critiquing those who would have that view and just send their wife away and they remarry and he's saying if that is what you're doing then that is adultery but it's not all he has to say the Pharisees want to discuss the lawfulness of marriage. Jesus insists on talking about the Creator's purpose for marriage. And he is challenging them about their understanding of marriage and hence divorce. What he's saying here is that divorce shouldn't happen, not that it cannot happen. Let me repeat that. My understanding of what is being said here is that he is saying that divorce shouldn't happen, not that it cannot happen. But when divorce does happen, it's a breaking of something that God has joined together to be one. And that is what I believe is reflected in the rest of Scripture. God's design is that marriages stay together for life and that divorce shouldn't happen. But sadly, there are situations and circumstances where marriages fail and divorce is allowed in these circumstances. Let me say this clearly but also gently. I personally believe that as much as I want to encourage people to work on their marriages, and I absolutely do, 
even through tough and challenging times. And I've seen some incredible situations in this church and in other churches where couples have separated, where there's been terrible things happen and they have recovered because that is the hope of the gospel. We have a message of forgiveness and hope and reconciliation and marriages can recover from the most difficult and dreadful things including affairs absolutely can but there will be circumstances and reasons and occasions when a marriage is effectively over and a divorce may be warranted why do i say this Because in the context of this passage, Jesus is not here trying to give the definitive word on marriage and divorce in what he says. What he's doing is critiquing the cultural, if I can say laissez-faire, attitude to divorce that was prevalent in his day. And we know that because elsewhere in Matthew's Gospel, he adds reasons for divorce. Rather, he is trying to challenge that prevailing view of the day that said you could divorce someone for any and every reason and then move on to the next person. It's also worth noting that secondly, in the context of the entire Bible, divorce is allowed in certain circumstances, even though it is not what the intent of marriage was. Though husbands and wives are obliged before God to do all in our powers to honour God's purpose for our marriage, sadly failures do happen. And often it's reprehensible and harmful the way divorces take place today. But importantly, divorce is not always reprehensible or ungodly. It's been allowed in Scripture by God as a recognition of our hardness of heart. It's allowed because of our fallen sinful natures. And there are situations and circumstances that can arise where it's not humanly possible for a marriage to be a lifelong union because the covenant has been broken. And here are three observations about the wider teaching of the Scriptures about when that is the case. Firstly, it's worth noting Jesus permitted divorce in Matthew, and that's chapter 5, verse 32, and 19.9. He basically repeats the same words. And he says this, but I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality makes her the victim of adultery. The particular issue that Jesus refers to is the Greek word pornea. And pornea is a word with a wide range of meanings. Sexual immorality is a reasonable rendering. It includes adultery, but it's not specifically adultery. And it may include other marriage issues that uh, relate to sexual behaviour that could break the marriage bond. Secondly, it's worth noting that the Old Testament laws permitted divorce. And Jesus in the passage that we're looking at rightly critiques this saying it was allowed because of a hardness of heart but importantly it was allowed and it's important to understand that. There are various reasons why it was permitted. And let me quote to you from Dr. John Woodhouse, who was my Old Testament lecturer and the former principal of Moore College. He summarises it this way. The Old Testament passages on divorce generally seem to show that God has permitted divorce to protect women 
especially from husbands abusing marriages, either by keeping their wife as a slave, that's Exodus 22, or by making her unmarriageable to anyone else, that's Deuteronomy 22, or by abandoning her, withholding her freedom to marry another, and that's Deuteronomy 24. And so it was allowed as a provision for life, typically for the women, as a protection. And so in a fallen world where we as sinners do fail, but it was not the Creator's purpose from the beginning, as Jesus has said. And it's important to underline that if God's Old Testament law allowed divorce, and I want to say this particularly to those who may have been through one, divorce is not necessarily in itself sinful because God's law never gives permission for sin. And it's very important that people who for right reasons have gone through divorce, hear me say that. Thirdly, the Apostle Paul permitted divorce. And in 1 Corinthians 7.15, in a new context setting, uh, where you've got, if I can say, mixed marriages and the issue of a partner being abandoned, Paul here allows believers who have been abandoned by their unbelieving spouses to seek divorce. And if Paul permitted divorce to believers in the case of abandonment with no reference made to sexual immorality, it also shows that Jesus was not intending to introduce a general ban on divorce. Let me add one last thing. The assumption in the Scriptures, in the Old Testament, and I take it in what Paul has said here, is that if a person is divorced, there was an assumption that they were free to remarry. And so where there is legitimate reasons for divorce, I've been very happy to be involved remarrying people. It's worth saying that. And so let me conclude by saying a few things to us here today. Firstly, work on your marriage. That is the essence of what you should take from Jesus' words here. The intention for God, from God, is that marriage be a permanent relationship. And it's a relationship that will have challenges. We are called to grow relationally, emotionally, physically and spiritually and become one. And I just want to encourage people to continue to grow in your marriages and grow in your relationships. Now, you are the ones, I might be wrong in saying this, who I'm probably least worried about. <laughs> You've made it this far, okay? But that doesn't mean that necessarily you are still happy in your marriage. I've known marriages that have lasted long, but also under sufferance. And so let me encourage you, keep working on your marriage, keep doing stuff together, keep not just, if I can say, activities, but thinking about your marriage. In my weekly email next week, I'm going to list a number of books that you might want to pick one out and read. And just read a marriage book. There's also uh, an easy course to access by yourself is the Alpha Marriage Course. You can just put it in YouTube and Google Alpha Marriage Course and there's some very helpful things. You can watch it together, you can have questions to answer and you can do the five sessions. That would be a great thing. Invest in your marriage so that you grow together and not apart. And that's what Andrew has been seeking to do in running the Strong and Faithful Marriage Course. And when that runs, I'd encourage you, Get involved. But 
But secondly, for those who are having struggles. And there's no judgment because all of us will have difficult times in our marriages. I want to say get help as early as possible. Get help before it is a train wreck. And when I say get help, be brave enough to put up your hand and come and see one of us on the pastoral team. Or see a trusted Christian friend who is mature and talk to them and get them praying with you for the marriage. And get some professional help. The best thing couples can do is when they are at the beginning of struggles is to go and get counselling with a, if I can say, skilled marriage counsellor, a Christian, to help you work through the issues so they don't get worse. Deal with issues early. If I can speak on that from a health point of view, as soon as I find out I've got anything that is remotely uh, potential for physical uh, concern, I go and see the doctor. Went and had a heart checkup the other day because my cholesterol was up. I'm now on statins, I think, for the rest of my life. Anyway, the uh, heart checkup was good. But I go. And I'd say the same in terms of our relationships go early so that you can deal with the issues so that things don't get worse. But lastly, for those who may be thinking about divorce, and I understand there can be reasons for that, particularly if it's an abusive marriage that you are caught in. Please come and see me or one of the pastoral staff because there may be good reasons for you thinking this way and we'd want to be supporting you at this very tough time. But if I can just say to all of us, marriage is designed to be a permanent relationship. May we work hard to try and make that a reality in our ministry and in our community here together. And may we do uh, all we can to see that come to fruition. Let me pray. Father, we do thank you for the marriages that are here. And I pray, Lord, in thanks for those that are going well, where there is joy and love and tenderness. May you help them to keep growing closer to each other and to you. But for those who are struggling, Lord, may they get help. May they get wise counsel. May they get counselling. May they get help and assistance to work through the issues they're struggling with. For those who do need significant help, I pray, Lord, that they be brave enough to come and seek out someone and so that we can walk together and help people go forward in your wisdom and seek your way as to what is the best thing to do. But Lord, we just pray in thanks that you love us and give us great wisdom in this area, we pray, as we go forward. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thank you.
as we come to our time together to a close here in this building. May I encourage you to come across to the function room for coffee and tea. If there's someone near you that you don't know, then please just gently invite them to come across. And then let's close with these words at the end of Jude, together. To him who is able to keep us from stumbling and to present us before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy, to the only God, our Saviour, be glory, majesty, power and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen.